Welcome to Week Conversations, a new video and podcast series bringing you insights with impact into energy, economics, and a changing world in the COVID-19 era. I'm your host, Dan Jurgen. Hello, and welcome to Week Agora Conversations presented by IHS Market. The topic of today is digital twins, shifting from hype to reality. My name is Oscar Abink. I'm a director for our technology and innovation research here at IHS Market. And I'm very pleased to be talking with John Hake today, who is the executive vice president at Aspen Technology. He joined Aspen Tech in 1995, 25 years ago, John. And um, um, he had a range of roles across the globe. So, John, I want to welcome you very much to this conversation. Oh, thank you, Oscar. So, it's, it's great to be here today. So. Okay. Now, John, um, we spoke a couple of, uh, you know, some time ago, actually in February, before Sierra Week 2020 was going to happen in March in Houston. And it was a really different world at that point. And um, I guess, you know, when you talk about lockdowns, pandemic, a, a, you know, a lower oil price, we, we couldn't have foreseen what have happened now. So, my first question um, before we dive into the uh, digital twin topic, is actually, you know, how's life? You know, how did the, the current situation affect you personally, affect Asmatech, affect your, your customers, basically your world? Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly from my standpoint and from, from Aspentech's standpoint, our, our hearts go out to all those that have been personally affected by this pandemic. It's been a, uh, it's been a tough time, a challenging time for so many people. So, uh, but in Aspentech, um, we were uh, we saw the first effects uh, hit us over in China. So and then we followed that around to 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 when Europe was in the throes of the pandemic, and then uh, and then over here to the West in the U.S. and and Latin America, where where it's still very very active. And so our first thought was the safety of our employees and what we had to do with our employees. And so very early on, we closed our offices and uh, and uh, uh, sent our people home to work. And uh, they've all become very expert at using Teams and Zoom and all the virtual technologies now, and it's been it's been quite an experience. So 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 that was a that was a significant change for us. Now we're gradually opening back up as situations dictate and as local health officials um, allow us to in different places. So so but here where I am in Houston though we haven't gotten to that point yet. So the so, so we're taking it step by step as we go. The crude price shock was a different thing. That was, uh, uh, that, that was kind of the double whammy, if you think about it that way, of, of hitting the markets. Uh, the, um, many of our partners and customers, especially if you look at, at the, uh, the oil service industries, they, were, uh, they, they had barely recovered from the last crude price shock. And, and then to, to be hit again, it was, uh, it, it was very devastating for, for many of them. Then you also look at the... At, at places like the oil sands up in Canada and the effect on those companies and, and, and how devastating the crude price shock was there. You, you, you look at downstream, you look at what happened in downstream with the, uh, uh, with the, the, the crude tanks filling up in yeah. the refineries and at the different facilities, as well as the product tanks, because we had a demand shock at the same time because everyone quit driving. Yeah. And so the, so all of a sudden you get negative crude prices in the forward month because the, the uh, because there was no place for the oil to go, and and it was a 
it was just a very different situation where the supply chain was so disrupted. So, so, but, but overall, you know, I'd say during this period, our, our customers, our partners, they've, our employees have shown tremendous grit and resilience to get through this. I would say in many ways, we're busier now than we've ever been before because we're, 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 many of us are working from home, but we're, we're very engaged and everybody has adapted. And I, and I kind of doubt anything's ever going to change back fully to the way it was before because we've all adopted digital technology so effectively in our daily work. And, and it's really been a, it's been a unique experience and something I'm certain many of us will never forget. Yeah, because actually that, that's a point I want to raise again before we go a little bit deeper into digital twins. But of course, we were already talking about the digital transformation and, you know, digitalization of oil and gas. All, the, all these terms of, were floating around and um, at this, so there was this, this, this digitalization going on and at the same time it seemed to be, have spurred in some ways, maybe it has created obstacles in other ways. What's your view, what's, your, what's Aspen Tech's view on, on, on that, you know, has it gone quicker, has it gone slower? Are there differences in different industries or different oh. approaches? Yeah, yeah, I, I would say we've seen a significant acceleration. I, you know, with uh, before the the, 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 the shocks hit us here, we had the push around industry 4.0 technologies and a, and a lot of the AI technologies that were coming forward. We saw uh, many different applications in, uh, in engineering solutions and in, uh, in, in operating solutions and predictive maintenance type solutions that were, that, that, that were starting to take hold and, and, and in our advisory board. So we've continued during this period of time to hold our executive advisory boards with our customers and with others. And what we hear is that even though they're cutting capital budgets, even though they're cutting expense budgets during this time, they are not cutting their digitalization budgets. Those companies feel very strongly that those digitalization technologies are key to the winners in the future and the, the efficiencies that they can drive out of their businesses. So, so that's an interesting point, actually, because, of course, we all experience, as you said, Zoom teams eh, working from home. Um, so we experience digitalization ourselves, but what you're saying also the industry is embracing digitalization more than ever. And of course, that's sort of a little bridge to the digital twin because one of the things we noticed at IHS markets before this downturn, uh, you know, digital twin was sort of a hype term. Eh? It, it was mentioned a lot of times and there was, there was not too much um, understanding perhaps. I mean, I remember doing a panel last year and uh, we still had to explain what a digital twin was to about, you know, uh, a third of the audience. And it, do, you, do you feel that, you know, apart from digital twin in, in broader, that people are really getting sort of demystifying digitalization here and, um, and are, are really truly moving to a, a, a digital era? I think so. The, um, uh, you know, if you look at the oil and gas industry for, um, for the last, for more than three decades, they've been digitizing themselves, right? So, yeah. so with the with the with the DCS systems and the the data gathering, often they were they were swamped with data. They had more data than they could actually analyze or had the tools and capabilities to look through. And now all that's changing. So, with these technologies that are out there now, the 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 world has really changed. All of a sudden, you have the 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 AI technologies that can they can dig deeply to look for those patterns and relevances in that data. You've got big data handling capability that we've never had before. And you've got applications that are being made that are fit for purpose 
in these industries that can actually adapt that. And now what this allows us to do is to take those simulation capabilities, those modeling capabilities that we've built over the last 30 plus years and implemented in our reservoirs, in our wellheads, in our pipelines, and in our refining facilities, and, and adapt those and match those much more closely to the operations underlying them. And, and, it, and it gives us a much greater base for making those, those decisions, whether they're safety, environmental, operating mm -hmm. optimization decisions that we need to make in the, in the it, business themselves. I guess we're alluding a little bit from the topic here, but allow me, it, is the remote operations, is that something that you see happening um, obviously you see happening in Moorhead, that's what we're doing right now in a sense, remote support, remote operations, remotely working from home. But is that also what you see at Aspen Tech uh, happening both inside and outside your company? Yeah, one of the marches we see is around what we call autonomous optimization. So, so, so we don't, uh, we think that, the, the, that these technologies are all focused in an economic way at uh, eliminating margin leakage within the enterprises that they operate. So by doing that and our ability to interlink these technologies and connect them, at some point we're going to get to that autonomous capability that allows us to run with minimal crews, that allows us to minimize the, 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 the people in the facilities, but also give us the ability for early detection of safety events, emissions events, those, 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 those types of things that have been so uh, devastatingly impactful to the to the industries in the past, as well as ways to optimize. And whether that's on an advisory basis, whether it's on a closed loop basis, this looks to be the direction that the that the industry is marching, and the, that these capabilities give us the opportunity to uh, eventually achieve. So. Okay, thanks. I'll, we'll probably come back to that um, autonomy point in in uh, later in the discussion. But we do see. Like when you look back in the past, we already had integrated asset models, but we did see like two or three points with differ from what, you know, integrated asset models differ from digital twin. And the first is the, the increased systems integration. So you see more systems being integrated than in the past. Then there's lifecycle updates. So the model is, is being updated. And finally, as you already mentioned, these massive amount of data as sensors everywhere, either IOT enabled, mm -hmm. industrial internet of things, enabled or um, um, just analog sensors and, and data coming in for, through SCADA systems. Um, so all of this, um, when you hear our definition, our vision, you know, your first reaction about the word hype, uh, the word definition, what, what, what we, what, what's your vision on, 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 on digital twins and how does Tech look at digital twins? What's yeah, yeah. So, so similar, I, I would say very similar to the, to the way you look at it. The, um, uh, in our in our view, it's a it's a virtual representation of a any piece of equipment, any asset you want to look at, a, a facility, a, uh, a, a an enterprise, a uh, set of physical processes or business processes that you want to look at. You know, one of the examples I use as a very common basis is uh, is uh, is something we use you know, almost every day is Google Maps, right? Google Maps is a classic example of a of a of a of a digital twin of world traffic, right? So it's yeah. it's constantly monitoring and tracking the traffic everywhere, and and we're able to use it to get to where we need to go and know. And, and we are the sensors, there. right? Yeah, that, that's we are exactly. in our car are the sensor, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So I think that's 
kind of how we define what, what digital twins are. Now the, the applications in our industries are different. They can be used for things such as training the operators on how to operate. They can be used for analyzing safety events or training against safety events. They can be used for emissions management. But, but, and from an economic standpoint, they can be used to help optimize the overall operation of how you're doing it or to push production limits to the, to, to, to the, to the limits of what, what, is, what is feasible in the, in the particular field or facility. So a, a lot of different applications for digital twins, I think. Yeah. One question, I always struggle a bit. We, we've seen these integrated asset models, now these, these sort of digital twins, much more um, um, complex. Um, so we, we've seen these, these complicated models um, around for some time and they're becoming more and more capable. What's stopping the adoption? Because one of the things that surprised me when I look in, in the oil and gas domain is we don't actually see that many deployments. When you look at full deployments, in the, if you look in the upstream part, you know, offshore assets or onshore, there's a, there's a couple of examples, but there's not hundreds of examples. And yeah. if the same is in the downstream, which is a, bit, a little bit more outside my scope, but so in your view and your knowledge of the industry, so where, where is the, the, the big obstacle or, or, or where are we waiting for? What is adoption, the curve to, uh, to increase? Yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. I think there's been some obfuscation around the name digital twin and exactly what digital twin means because in our view, there's significant uptake going on with digital twins. The, uh, um, you know, as we look about it, I'll, and I'll give you a couple of examples because concrete examples are pretty good. If we look at what Adnock's doing in their in their in their in their shallow oil field, so they they're 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 using a digital twin across the entire field from wellhead to point of sale. Okay, they're using that to monitor their energy usage, to monitor their emissions in the field, to to monitor their 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 their, their, their carbon in the field, to to uh, to to monitor their 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 overall operation of the field. And by doing that, they, they've been able to reduce their overall water usage, which you can imagine is very important in Abu Dhabi, yeah. uh, by 5% overall. So they've been able to do that. On the predictive maintenance side, we've seen a tremendous uptake in AI technologies on the predictive maintenance side. The, the ability to predict equipment failures 45 to, to, to 90 days ahead of time before they occur helps you eliminate unplanned downtimes, helps... helps um, helps get the equipment in place, the replacement equipment, so that when you do take something down, you minimize that amount. We've, we've had a customer sign up here during this pandemic period who has a fleet of FPSOs, and they're using these technologies now to monitor all of the, all of the critical equipment, the, the pumps, the filtration systems, mm. the injection systems on those production ships, yeah. and using that so that they keep those units up and running as much as possible. So I think I think part of it is in the naming itself and what we're actually looking at. So I think they are probably, uh, depending on how you look at your definition, I think there's a lot of digital technologies that are being adopted that are digital simulation technologies and they're being used quite broadly now. So. Two questions, Spencer, maybe a short one. It sounds like this is, but this is happening relatively um, currently, right? Relatively yes. now. I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. not talk to you three years ago, it's, it's these months, the last year or so that, that this sort of uptake in pace is happening. Is that correct? Uh, I, would, I would say the last two years has really been a growth period. Uh, I would say, you know, if you went to, uh, uh, to, to some of the conferences three years ago, the, the whole industry 4.0 uh, was just kind of being kicked off and it was becoming the noise in the marketplace. 
And then you had to go through a phase of where that technology actually migrated its way into mm -hmm. some of the technologies that are available today. Well, now those technologies are available. They're out in the marketplace and, and they're able to, to help companies, whether they're, you know, on the upstream side, whether they're looking at, at, at flow assurance and predictive maintenance or on the downstream side, they're planning and scheduling technologies, they're advanced process control technologies, the design technologies of how we can how we can design facilities better and actually continue to operate those facilities to meet those design specs that they were set up for. I mean, AI is becoming embedded in everything we do so that, so that it matches up much better. And so I, so. And, and, and the other question that stems from your examples is, you know, what's actually Aspen Tech's role in this? I mean. Hmm. Okay. To... Yeah. Yeah. So, so, as, so, so we've been doing simulation modeling. We started that 39 years ago as a company, right? So that's, so yeah. that's been our bread and butter. And we've combined that over the years with our, with our ability to optimize operations, using these technologies to optimize. In fact, some of our early for, forays into this area were, for instance, on advanced process control technology, which pushes the limits of the equipment that we can to, to the design limits. That technology used to have a sustainability issue with it. And, uh, and we introduced patented technology where that technology actually tunes itself online based on the data coming in and tests itself continuously online so that it no longer has those sustainability issues. So you no longer have to go in and retune every couple of years to make sure you continue to optimize. So, so we continue with that, but we also have predictive maintenance solutions where we're using AI and machine learning uh, deeply embedded with intelligent agents that are put on equipment out there that monitor 24 seven those equipment for the different failure modes that, that those equipments that can occur in those equipments and gives the best advance notice on those equipment of what they can do. So, so this is really across everything that we're doing. We've, uh, I would say over the last three years, uh, the number of data scientists that we have internally working on technologies has grown tremendously. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a huge step forward for us and these technologies that are being embedded in everything we do give us better modeling capabilities. They give us better optimization capabilities. They give us better predictive capabilities in everything we do. And you combine that with the domain expertise that we have from all these years of working with companies in the engineering and oil and gas and chemical space, that combination of AI technologies, domain expertise, and then best-in-class technologies that can go out the door. That's really what our focus is on the marketplace and how we create value, safety, environmental benefits by doing that. Okay, and, and now uh, that was a bit about the technology and there's, there's always the people side to this. So mm -hmm. all who worked, I, we all have a t technical background or we're very familiar with technologies. And so you, you know that you know, the people, the acceptance is really big. Um, digital twins, the way you describe it, they will have a, a major impact on workflows, on work processes, on, on maybe organizations themselves, operating models, how you operate a refinery or an FPSO or, you know, an onshore um, field in Abu Dhabi. You know, what's your experience there? I mean, you know, yeah. how, how is this interacting with people? Yeah, so we find them to be very empowering technologies. So the, uh, uh, and, and, and really you can look at it from three different ways. It, it's empowering in that it, it brings the information in a way that can be used to the point of need for that information. So whether that's the operator, whether that's the, the, uh, uh, the, 
the, the, the planning and scheduling manager, whoever that person is, it brings vast amounts of data and insights to that person that helps empower them to do their job better. So we see it being a very empowering technology. It's also a very collaborative technology because the, because the access to data and the way these systems pull big data across boundaries is very collaborative in that you're getting the view across everything that we do. So the, or everything that the, the business does, and you can bring that once again to bear. And then I think the third thing that it does is uh, it helps our industries attract talent. It helps the industries attract people who are excited by them. We're becoming cooler again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the newer, cooler technologies and the, and the opportunity to do things that, 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 that go beyond what we've been able to do before. So I, so I, I think all of those are, are, are really great for the employees uh, and, and for, the, for the workers in the industry overall. But as you know, with any new technologies, there's, there's both, you know, there's both benefits to gain, but there's also challenges, obstacles to overcome. Mm -hmm. You must have encountered those too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, well, certainly. A few at least, but I'll let you. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly the, the, the technology as it is works today in the applications where we're applying it. So that's, uh, you know, you, you mentioned hype versus reality. Well, the reality is it works. But are there challenges? Yeah, of course, there's always challenges. And the challenges really come in a, in a couple of different areas. One of the challenges I mentioned earlier is, uh, is how do we interlink these technologies so that we can get to some of these more powerful enterprise-wide or facility-wide optimization technologies? How do, we, how do we hit every level of margin leakage that goes on through an organization and eliminate those different areas of margin leakage that occur? So I, I think that's critical. Another challenge is that because we've had these cutbacks that have occurred over time, the, um, uh, these technologies require changes in workflow in the customer mm-hmm. base. They also require uh, implementation capabilities to get them rolled out on a broad basis to take best advantage of the technologies. And so in many cases, the companies don't have the resources that they used to have to be able to do that. So building a partner ecosystem is incredibly important. We're a technology company and and having a partner ecosystem that supports these technologies in the rollout. So we work with companies like um, McKinsey uh, is a a key partner of ours who we work with. Emerson is a key partner, but also many of the engineering companies. The Wood Group is a key partner of ours in, in helping both consult with companies on what they can do, as well as helping them with their workflow changes and the, and the implementations that they need. Hargrove is another one. Fluor is another company that we work with. So having a, an ecosystem that can facilitate the movement of the customer base of our, of our oil and gas companies, of our chemical companies, of our, of our, of mm-hmm. our refining companies along this path is incredibly important as well. Okay, so one of the challenges we found in the past, um, particularly around integrated asset models is they were implemented at one point and everything was running, you know, fantastically. All the benefits were there, you know, optimized maintenance, you know, all the, all the you know, even in, if you talk upstream production increases, etc. And then you see over time when, you know, instrumentation was changed out, when new, new equipment was, you know, had, had been updated or maintained or, or even replaced, you see that slowly the, the digital model was starting to diverge from the actual physical reality and then in two three years time 
you saw these gaps starting to emerge. Is it, yeah, but you know, that sensor doesn't, you know, tell the, the truth. So we're leaving that out. And, and so one of the real challenges we found is that in a couple of years, these virtual models were sort of outdated. And then because they were outdated, they couldn't be used as, as easy anymore. And, and then, and that, that was sort of the end of them. So we actually had case studies where companies implemented that in the, about 10, 15 years ago, and a couple of years later, they left it again um, yeah. because nobody to maintain it was too. Good. So how how you tackle this sustainability, this this um, um, you know this updating challenge? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's a really good question, really good question, Oscar. The um, uh, one, and and this is where AI really comes into play. I, I think the 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 capabilities of using data and AI and the and the inputs that occur is is huge in, in the maintainability, the sustainability of these systems and, and what we can do. So, so I mentioned APC, Advanced Process Control, our multivariate mm -hmm. process control, what we've done there with the adaptive technology, the patented adaptive technology. In our predictive maintenance systems, we've done something similar. So predictive maintenance systems have these agents, these AI agents that run 24-7. Well, when they create an alert, that alert comes back to the work order system. So it's integrated into the maintenance system of what's going on. And that alert can be that we're going to have an equipment failure, but it can also be, we've got some sensor issues here and the, and the sensors don't seem to be reading correctly, right? So, the, uh, so, so can somebody go take a look at this? So, so what we've tried to do is where these systems were kind of set up separately and required just the independent maintenance before, now we try to embed these systems into the normal operating mode of how companies operate. So in the normal cycle, so for instance, when the superintendent comes into the plant in the morning and, uh, and, and looks, at the, looks at the work orders coming out, there's been automatically generated work orders that they can, they can read through, they can send somebody out to inspect and take a quick look and decide what needs to be done, if anything, and, uh, and, then, and then work their way back. So we're trying to find those ways of working the systems together to make sure that they're self-sustaining uh, the other thing that those AI systems do is as they create alerts, they also get feedback from the operators about those alerts mm -hmm. and they retrain themselves because of the smarts built into the systems. So from the time you actually implement a predictive maintenance system over the years, the system actually becomes smarter as it's actually implemented. So that's a, and, and these are unique to the, to the AI based systems. That's a, this is something we, we haven't had before. So. Okay. You, 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 you already mentioned some of the prices, right? I think that most people who dive into digital twins believe that this is a, uh, you know, this is going to happen. It, 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 it is the future. Just very briefly, I mean, you've looked, you know, Aspen Tech has done a whole, as you said, dozens, maybe hundreds of projects around this topic. Mm -hmm. in, in general, what, what are the sort of the benefits, the prices that can be gained? You already mentioned, you know, the one in the Middle East, but Yes. Yeah. Equipment failure is, is one of the primary areas of safety events. Okay. Whether it's when you're bringing your operations up or down or whether it's when the equipment's failing itself. So being able to understand your equipment more deeply. So, so the reduction in safety events and what you can do, the ability to train your operators around safety events, the ability to, to understand safety events that have occurred and why they occurred more effectively. All that is very important. The ability to reduce emissions. I, I, I mentioned the water with, with ADNOC before, but also uh, uh, the, 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 the NOx and SOx emissions and the overall emissions and our ability to, to look at operating conditions and apply some of these new technologies 
that, that, that actually statistically tell you that the operation is going into a bad area, that somebody needs to look at it now so that you can avoid those emissions events and the types of things you can have. Because emissions can, can really knock you off course. Let me, uh, let me interrupt you there yeah. for a second, yeah. Don. Um, is greenhouse gas emissions, is that something that, that is really you know, a, a direct correlation with what you're describing here? Yes, yeah, yeah, very, very much so, very much so. The, the entire carbon management system and what you look at around, around carbon management, I mean, that's, a, that's one of the most natural applications for digital twins that there, that there is. So, it's a, so, so, so that's very, very natural application. So the, okay. the other area, though, that I, that I would say is around uh, uh, eliminating margin leakage and production optimization, you know, driving as much uptime as you can pushing the equipment to the design limits of where that equipment can go, making sure that your equipment is matched up and knowing where your bottlenecks are and, 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 and knowing where your, where your future shutdowns are coming from so that you can pre-plan what's going to happen so that you can continue to optimize your overall business. So it's a combination of the, the production, the supply chain, the processing, the, the entire set uh, as we go through, being able to link those together and make sure that there's collaboration, that there's understanding, that there's knowledge of what's going on, and the ability to preempt situations that are going to occur. And, and um, I, I know we're, we're um, you know, we're, we're having a very interesting conversation, so time is uh, going by, at least for me, pretty quickly. Um, I, I do want to, the future, I mean, when you look at Aspetech strategy, but also your personal view, you already mentioned autonomy, had autonomous systems, yeah. Anybody else that, you know, when you hear all this, this is going to be big, but what's the pace going to be? I mean, we all can see the sort of futuristic uh, yeah. platform in front of us, but. We yeah, yeah, certainly the, well, well, the pace is picking up every day. I mean, we just, uh, uh, we just, uh, and so, so we do many things in the background. And so, so we've got a, we have a patent wall in our, in our headquarters office of, of all the patents that have been achieved over time by Aspen Tech. And so innovation is one of our, key things and every little innovation uh, that we come across leads to an acceleration of a little bit somewhere, right? So something <laughs> new that we're able to do that we weren't able to do before. But predicting how fast that's gonna happen, that's uh, you know, that's anybody's guess, I think. But, the, okay. uh, but it certainly seems, you know, we kind of look at things as crossing the chasm, you know, from that kind of new hyped product to something that's starting to be adopted by the by the early majorities. And, the, uh, and, and I would say many of these technologies are in that phase or have crossed the chasm and are headed toward broad adoption. Some yeah, of the right. earlier technologies, the adaptations of simulation and modeling technologies and advanced process control, those are already well on their way. And so, the, uh, uh, so, so I, I think it's a variety depending on the particular application space that you're looking at. Um, but certainly the, what I mentioned earlier, the the, the drive toward uh, autonomous optimization, toward the uh, uh, self-optimizing capabilities, the, uh, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big goal down the road that we certainly want to get to that, that, that really empowers companies to, well, to achieve. When you describe all this, it, 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 to me it almost looks at robotics. Is, robotics is one of these domains that is, is sort of up next, is where we, we have the digital representation, we can, you know, optimize there. And the next one is to, to take people out of harm's way is, is basically to have some kind of mechanization solution there. No, that's, that, that, you know, when you, when you look down in your innovation 
sort of uh, dungeons where all the you know, very smart people are working on the, on the future of asthma tech. Is that something that you're taking into account? Yeah, so I think uh, robotics is, is going to be key to the future there. I think the, you're already seeing some of that with the drone programs that are out there and the, and the, and the 3D <laughs> visualization capabilities. I think there's a, there's, a, there's a tremendous area of opportunities right there that are, that are out in the future. And certainly robotic, robotics is one of those industry 4.0 technologies. Okay. And then um, I, I just want to circle back to, to the initial question that, you know, the, the situation we're in at the moment, that, that's still pretty challenging for, you know, I guess all of us, um, whether it's personal or, or business. Um, so, you know, on the shorter term, how are you preparing for what's going to happen in the next couple of months to maybe the next one and a half year? Yeah, um, yeah. so we're focused uh, initially on virtual everything. So our our engagements right now, and we've been, we've we've had a tremendous response from our customers, from our partners around working virtually, working safely. What we can do, uh, we're looking at, uh, at at adapting to uh, to remote operations, to remote implementations where we can, trying to leverage all of the technologies that are available to us: the cloud, the edge technologies, all of the all of those technologies to adapt our business to what's going on with our customer base to to maintain that, 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 that safety and adapt to the environment. So that's from an operations standpoint. But, but really, from an internal standpoint, our focus is on safety around our people, our facilities, everything that we do. So, the, so, 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 so we're looking at you know, what is going to change? How do we reimagine what we do? And so we're looking at our office spaces and how we, how we adapt our office spaces, both for safety and for the new reality of, uh, of, of how people will need to collaborate and keep socially distanced. We, we're, we're also looking at uh, um, making sure that everybody is trained up on the virtualization tools and the capabilities to do that. And knowing that we're looking at work from home practices and, uh, and how we mm-hmm. optimize work from home practices with us. So the same things you'll see across the industry that, that, that people are doing. That's what we're looking at as well. And then the, and then the challenges of maintaining your culture while you're doing that and making sure yeah. that, that, that uh, you know, the new employee comes on, making sure that new employee is still embedded in your culture and understands who you are and, and, uh, and, 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 and what their opportunities are and what they can achieve. So I think this is a very interesting road ahead of us. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a challenge for us all, but it's a, I, I, every challenge brings its opportunities. You know, this, uh, this has been a very difficult one, certainly unlike anything any of us have ever seen. And, uh, Absolutely. but I think the, the, the future is bright for us. I, I, you know, you look forward to the finding of a vaccine and getting past this period, but I don't really think things will ever go back to the way they were. I think this is, uh, uh, awakened us all to the, to the digital future that we're going to be operating in. Okay. Well, with that, John, I, I want to thank you for this, uh, Sierra Week Agora conversation. It's not live, it's not on stage, but still, I find it very interesting, very enjoyable. And uh, again, I want to thank you very much for, for your time. And um, with that, I think we're going to close out this session. Okay. So, okay. Thank you so much, Oscar. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate it. And yeah. thank you and, and IHS Market for, for, for okay. all that you guys are doing. So, so okay. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you all. And, and please stay safe. Thanks again for tuning in to another Sierra Week conversation 
presented by IHS Market. For the complete video series and previous episodes, visit us online at sarahweek.com.